This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Organization News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker, at Do Nuts on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Did you watch All-Star Weekend? I watched some of All-Star Weekend. Uh, I was in Big Bend for the first couple days of it, and I still ended up seeing some of it somehow, but uh, I watched the actual game itself. How'd you like it? Um, it's All-Star Weekend. I don't know. It's. It, I feel like uh, if you've watched a bunch of these, you'll have the opinion that you have. I think it's kind of fun, uh, but it's not, like, really fun. It's just kind of fun. Yeah, I'm starting to find out more and more that people are so jaded by All-Star Weekend. And, like, they have such low expectations. But I feel like that's the way to go, honestly. Go into All-Star Weekend with low expectations. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's and, a, and, and you'll enjoy it a lot more. It's not really for us, right? It's kind of for the players and for, like, the kids, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, I, I gotta be I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed it, especially since I had nothing to do for All-Star <laughs> Weekend. Like... If you're just at home and you got the TV on and like, or if you're covering it, whatever. Like, if you're just, like, if you have nothing to do and you're just and you just have the time, it's it was a good event to watch. Like, it was fine. Like, as long as you don't have high expectations for like the dunk contest or the All Star <laughs> Weekend game itself, the weekend flows by so yeah. smoothly. And you realize what it's really about, which is basically charity. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of an NBA convention. If you've ever gone to like a like a convention for anything, it's just like that. Uh, yeah, I've actually it's like been, summer league ish in that way. Yeah, and I've been able to to go to a couple All Star weekends in varying capacities, and it's it's a lot of fun to actually go there. It's like a big NBA convention, and you know, depending on whether you're there like uh, with a pass or just as like a guest, you may or may not meet some NBA players and stuff. It's it's a good time. It's it's a nice like blow off time that everyone kind of like relaxes a little bit and just does some puff piece type stuff in every possible sense of that word. Like everyone's just kind of no, nothing serious for a weekend, and it's nice and it's a good relaxing change of pace. And then everyone can get back to the actual slog of the season a few days later. And you got the Jordan birthday party, which um, it's like a really exclusive event, and you just hear legendary stories from every year. <laughs> <laughs> like the Jordan birthday party, if you can get in, it's always like the event to go to. And like, apparently, I'm I'm not sure if they did this this year, but I've heard in the past they like confiscate your phone, like they put it in this bag, and like so you're just there at the event without your phone, and you're just kind of walking around, talk, trying to talk to people, <laughs> which is a weird experience in 2019. Like having your phone as a crutch is like super important. Yeah, and they, you realize that fast. Yeah, they do that at a lot of those kind of events. Any any kind of more celebrity laden event. Yeah, they don't want they don't want people taking pictures of stuff and tweeting things and, out and or whatever. They want the celebrities to relax too. Like yeah. they don't want the celebrities to be on edge. So yeah, it's it's a great time. Um, it's the games are not always amazing. I mean, like people have so many weird complaints about All Star, the All Star game itself that. It just doesn't matter. Like I, that's where I'm at. That it's it's not going to be a super competitive game, really. Uh, even if it is, it's mostly just because there's so much talent involved that they're just gonna, you know, they're gonna be competitive to the amount they want to. They're not gonna play a lot of defense, and it's not. I don't think it's because they're trying not to get hurt. I think why? Like it's not fun to play defense. It doesn't matter who wins, so who cares? Yeah, and All Star Weekend really hit a a real low point for like three or four years ago and they, they did these little lo, these subtle tweets like subtle tweaks like they allowed big man to join the skill cha- skills challenge and they made it one-on-one as opposed to we're going to compare your times and then they made um the dunk contest back to the the original dunk contest format which they, they kind of went away from, from it for a year to kind of try and spice it up and it didn't work like they did 
like a team version of the dunk contest. Do you remember that? Like for like a year? Yeah, that was not fun. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that one dunk contest was particularly bad. That contest yeah. is really up and down, but that one was the among the worst. There's this whole argument about how maybe we should end the dunk contest after the skills challenge and end the All-Star Saturday with the three-point shootout. And, and I understand that. But honestly, like a good dunk contest beats out a good three-point contest any day of the week. Like, there's a reason we're still talking about Aaron Gordon in 2016, right? Or 2017? Yeah. No, uh, this 2017. Is, this is the one situation in which dunks uh, are very highly, whereas three-pointers are fairly consistent. Yeah, yeah. And and that dunk by Hamadou Diallo, by the way, holy crap. Like, that, where he just... So, he, he, he called Shaq from the crowd... And, and Shaq kind of stood under the rim. And, and I, I was like, first of all, I didn't think he'd, he'd be able to do that. Like, I, I, especially <laughs> on the first try. Like, dunking over a seven-footer is wild. I, I know we're, we're kind of jaded to dunkers dunking over things now. That You know, after Blake Griffin dunked over the hood of that car, which was completely ludicrous that he won the dunk contest that way. And JaVale McGee totally should have won. But whatever. Like, after that dunk contest, dunking over stuff became less popular. But dunking over a seven-footer with your elbow in the rim, your elbow is in the rim, like Vince Carter in 2001. Like, that's that's one of the five greatest dunks I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. Like, I, that, that, I, I yelled. I yelled at the TV. Man, that Vince Carter dunk is old enough to vote now, and he's still in the league. It's wild. Kudos to Vince <laughs> yeah. Carter. Yeah. Wow. What a weird way to explain, of explaining that. But it, it is true. <laughs> that's... 18 years uh, but yeah it, it, it's it's gotten to the point where if you get one or two noteworthy dunks out of the dunk contest i'm happy like just give me something that will that i'll remember for the dunk contest and i'll I'll be okay with it yeah it's all it's all for the spectacle and for the fun of it i think all-star weekend's fine uh people always try to fix it I enjoyed all-star Saturday. yeah i don't i don't think yeah all-star saturday's a lot of fun you should always try to make it better i guess but it's not like some crisis that needs to get fixed who cares it's it's a bunch of guys dunking and shooting threes and stuff. It's great. Uh, I, I kind of the, the, the Papa shot thing was beyond <laughs> stupid. I miss I miss shooting stars. Yeah, that was great. But I, I guess they had to take it away when Team Bosch won for like the sixth consecutive. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I guess even though he's not in the league anymore, he can still do the shooting stars, right? So this doesn't say he won't keep just winning it over and over again if they did it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, this is a Rockets podcast, and we should probably talk about the Houston Rockets and what they did in the past two weeks where we didn't record. Yeah, uh, um, well, James Harden shot some threes in the All-Star game. He did. He did shoot <laughs> That's some like all he did. <laughs> and he was um, completely hungover. But let's talk about the trade deadline. So we haven't talked since the Rockets had their trade deadline. Uh, I'll go and ask you, what did you think of their trade deadline? Uh, I would grade it Done. <laughs> it's it was a weird trade deadline. Uh, it it wasn't like the flashy trade deadline. They well, it wasn't the flashy trade deadline we think they're gonna have every year, and it also wasn't the boring trade deadline they actually have every year. Right. Yeah. And it was one of those trade deadlines where you knew the Rockets were gonna do something, whereas last year it felt like an inevitability that the Rockets were gonna stand pat at the deadline, and they pretty much only explored the buyout market last season. But this season, it, it was like like the Rockets were just not good enough. And, and we all knew that. And they had clear needs at the wing. And we knew the Rockets were going to make a move. Like, it was it was an inevitability that they were going to move their 2019 first. Like, they, like, they, like, anybody who had hopes that they would keep that 2019 first was deluding themselves. And uh, it, was, it was just a matter of who they would get. And I got to be honest, I like Iman Shumpert as, as a get. Like Iman Shumpert is someone I didn't think would be on the on the market. Yeah, he's he wouldn't have been my first target, but he's they got him at a pretty decent price. Uh, as I said before, I, it really is too bad that that Grizzlies deal that allegedly was being worked on and didn't go through. That that no, that was so close to happening. Like it was very very close to happening. Yeah, and both teams took a, a like honestly got less out of it. Like both yeah. the Rockets and Grizzlies got less than they would have if they just made that deal with each other. But it sounds like timing didn't really work out due to uh, working on the Gasol trade. So 
That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been a, a better trade, but this is this is not bad. Uh, I think they had a fairly successful trade deadline, but not an exciting or sexy one at all. Yeah, so Houston basically upgraded from James Ennis to Iman Shumpert while saving significant luxury tax savings. Uh, it wasn't free, though. It, it cost them their 2019 first and multiple second-round picks. And, you know, the, there's there's been a lot of acrimony towards uh, Tillman Vertita for how, they, how they're handling the spending this season. And, you know, like, it, it's a bit... I wrote about this yesterday, and I have a lot of thoughts on this, and I think it's perfectly reasonable for a fan to be upset. As well, I'll, I'll start there. I think it's perfectly reasonable for a fan to be upset that the owner came out and said before the season that we're going to spend in the, into the luxury tax season. Money is not an object, and they come out and dodge the, the tax this season. I think I think that's a reasonable feeling to have. Is where I'll start. Uh, yeah, I think it's reasonable to kind of feel cheated by it. Uh, un- unfortunately, I, I don't know. I guess unfortunately, uh, I think that doing this is actually quite reasonable. Right, and, and that's kind of where I'll shift to next. So, um, if if you aren't aware for some reason, the Rockets uh, at the trade deadline traded James Ennis and uh, got under the luxury tax and basically guaranteed that they would not probably... Like, by by giving up those second-rounders, it pretty much told us that they weren't probably going to go back over it anytime this season. Like, it looks like they're going to... They need to get to a 15-man roster pretty soon here. But it looks like they're going to spend uh, their time on 10-day contracts until that deadline is passed, and they'll pursue the buyout market afterwards. And it looks like they're really going to, like, their trajectory right now is they're not going to be over the luxury tax this season. Like, it, Tillman Fertitta came out yesterday and said that the Rockets, like, are unsure if they're going to be over or not. Like, I would say there's like a 70% chance they end the season under, under the luxury tax. Yeah, uh, which, it's both good and bad, I think. So, I will well, let's let's talk about the good part. So, if they do manage to avoid going over the luxury tax, right? Uh, what it might cost them at this point is maybe some someone on the buyout market. Maybe it's hard to say yet, though. We don't really know who's out there. Yeah. So the the opportunity cost is like we should we should mention is unknown because yeah. we don't really we don't really know what happened at the trade deadline. We don't know what kind of offers were on the table for the Rockets. For the taking, like, was there an expensive non-star player out there, like a Nikola Mirotic or some somebody that yeah. the Rockets could have traded for, like, and like a perhaps... Bazemore or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was that player available to them at the trade deadline? That's a that's an important question because you know to to assume that they could have acquired a player, I think is, is is the wrong way to go about it. To to assume that it was possible is correct. Like like I think like. Looking at the players that did get moved, I think there is a reasonable assumption that there is a possibility that Houston passed up on maybe a slightly better bet player, basketball player than Iman Shumpert. Like I think it's, I think it's reasonable to say it's possible that that might have happened, but we we what we don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know what was going on in the negotiations, and we don't know what a player like Markeith Morris wanted from the Rockets. Like well, apparently, from what the Rockets are trying to say publicly, Morris wanted playing time. Yeah, and they don't really have uh, that to offer him assuredly, which is fair that he would go somewhere else. Um, I my gun to my head, my assumption, my guess is probably that the deals that would have cemented them over the luxury tax pan, did not pan out, and so going underneath of it is like a move of opportunity. Uh, that's what I would suspect happened. Oh, but, that's a great way to describe it. That's a great because. I remember writing uh, in a column from yesterday, like they they went after Jimmy Butler. Like, like let's not forget that. Like, let's not. It's not that happened this season. That can't be swept under the rug. If they had traded for Jimmy Butler, they would be significantly over the luxury tax. So it's not like the like the plan the whole season. Like it's clear that the plan the whole season was not to get was not to get under the luxury tax. Yeah. Like that was something that opened up for them. Yeah. Once that happened, though. And that's the reason why I think this is, un, like, contrary to what a lot of people would like to hear, this is probably not the worst idea. Because if suddenly it turns out that you can do it, 
you're very rewarded for doing so. If you can get under this luxury tax this year, suddenly the tax bill for the next few years is a lot less daunting. You you got your under under the tax year out of the way, and you now you don't have to think about it in the next couple of years, and you can really double down on these next years. And uh, yeah. I think what bothers people about it is that, to some degree, it's kind of admitting that the Rockets aren't really a contender at the moment, or at least it feels like it. Uh, and I think people don't like that. <laughs> so I think it's a large part of why uh, why people are so mad that a bigger splash wasn't made. Right. Uh, and I think that's, important, that's an important thing to talk about when discussing the Rockets. Like, is this a team worth spending into the luxury tax for? And by the by the numbers, by their statistical profile, by what we've seen this season, they're not. Like they're they're around a a good to middle of the pack playoff team this season. Like and, the, yeah. that, that that that's what they profile as. And even if they get healthy, there's no guarantee that. First of all, there's there's no guarantee that they get healthy, and second of all, there's no guarantee that getting Clint Capella back and getting Chris Paul back, like that, you'll suddenly become like a top two Western Conference team. Like, they, they haven't played like that when all three of those guys were healthy. Yeah, and, and more importantly, the opportunity cost of doing this, I think, uh, is not that high, right? So whether you think they can be a contender or not, is the difference between them winning a championship and not this season going to be James Ennis? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, now the question is, is it going to be a combination of whoever they might not get on the buyout market and then a question mark regarding Daniel House. Right. Uh, so I love sure. Daniel House, but I don't know that this situation makes a difference between a championship contender or not. Right. Like we need to have an honest conversation as to what Houston has been this year. Right? Like 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 if if we want to be honest, the Rockets have not played to a championship caliber level this year and that's that's obvious right but if you look at like throughout history a team to this point usually it is what it is like even even if they get healthy usually that doesn't really mean that doesn't that that's not necessarily equating to they're they're suddenly going to go on a run where they become like the third seed in the western conference yeah, like, ba- that usually yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, basically the only examples of that happening in recent history are LeBron teams, where they can just kind of fart around in the regular season, and the defense is bad. And then as soon as the playoffs get around, magically the defense is a lot better because everyone's trying harder or something. Uh, yeah, LeBron and the Jazz. Yeah. Like, the Jazz just, for the, for some reason, the Jazz <laughs> are just allergic to the first half of the season. Like, they, they just yeah. could not be bothered. <laughs> like, yeah, this year too. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, they just... They just don't like the first half of the season for some reason. They turn it on as soon as game 38 hits. And they're, like, ready to go. <laughs> That's their magic number. Uh, yeah. yeah, but even so, like, it's, it's, it's rare that this happens. So, generally speaking, teams are who they are. Uh, it's overstated. The having another gear in the playoffs thing is overstated. I think what people are really meaning by that when they say you got to have another gear for the playoffs is that a lot of the really great teams take it easy during the regular season. Uh, they don't take it super easy. They don't do as badly as Houston's been doing, but they, you know, they, they don't put their foot all the way in the gas. Uh, so I think if you want to feel hopeful about the Rockets, that's what you should feel hopeful about. That like this is more, this is mostly the same team personnel wise, uh, and that you know they're missing a couple of guys from last season, and that they should be able to uh, to turn it back on when it does matter, and and or they're healthy. But I don't think that's affected by what they did at the trade deadline. The difference between getting Iman Shumpert and getting, I don't know, like, Bazemore or something or whoever is not... That's Who who were people expecting that there was going to jump this team to being a contender? And, uh, and Iman Shumpert's good, by the way. Like, he's a, he's a really solid pickup. Like, I... Like, I, I had him in my possible trade targets column, and then I backspaced because I was like, there's no way the Kings trade him. Like, they're trying to make the playoffs. Like, I don't think they trade him. Like, he started 40 games this year. Like, like he's a good basketball player. Yeah, he's definitely improved a lot. I had kind of written him off uh, a couple years ago, and he's really shown he more He looked really expected. rough. Yeah, he, he looked really, really rough in, in that last year in Cleveland. Like, I, like, with the plantar fasciitis and the knee injury, like, he, he was just like a shell of himself that final year in Cleveland. Like, I agree. 
Like I like like I understand if if that's the like if if Rockets fans remember that version of Shumpert and that and that's kind of what bothers you. Like yeah, I, I get it. But this season, Shumpert's been a different player. Like he's recovered well from the plantar fasciitis and the knee injury. So I I would I would just keep that in mind. Like yes, there's a possibility they could have acquired a good a better player. But Shumpert's not a bad player. Like he's pretty damn good. And yeah. like as a as a reserve forward, which it looks like he might end the season and being like you could do a lot worse. And I think there's a possibility he might start this year. Yeah, uh can he do a good Luke Richard and Bamute or Trevor Ariza impression is the question. And that question applies to Daniel House as well, assuming they uh they bring him back on at some point, which that's just their decision. It's financial and more than anything else. But can those guys do impressions of those players? More importantly, are they better at doing that impression than James Ennis was? I think the latter question is definitely yes. Yeah, we should we need to have an honest conversation what James Ennis was here in Houston, by the way. Like James Ennis in Houston was one of the worst rotation players for the Rockets I've seen in the past ten years. Like he was so bad. And and, and that's not to demean James Ennis. He signed here on a minimum contract and it seems like the Rockets signed him with the hope of him exceeding that minimum contract, which is important to note. Like, every minimum contract the Rockets give from here on out, they are expecting that player to, you know, go over that minimum contract, to exceed it. And James Ennis is someone they put a lot of eggs in, into that basket. Like, they wanted him to be someone who holds the water over into the trade deadline, he, and he wasn't. He wasn't. Like, he, he was, like, as a defender, he just wasn't, the level like of Luke Richard and Bamute, and as a three-point shooter, as an offensive player, he was just really, really brutal out there. Like just missing layups in transition, uh, airballing threes at points. Like he was just a brutal offensive player to have there, uh, have out there on the floor. <laughs> yeah, court. he turned into into old Corey Brewer very quickly. Yeah, and and Mike D'Antoni never gained the trust of him, which is something I pointed out like a couple months ago. Like he never exceeded like twenty-five minutes per game. Like he like and the thought was that he would probably be the starter this season for Houston, right? And the fact that he was such a big letdown is one of the one of the more under the radar <laughs> narratives for Houston this season. Like they they wanted him to be much more than he actually was, and going from him to Iman Shumpert is a noticeable upgrade. Yeah, it really is. Uh, for whatever you think of Iman Shumpert, he's better than that. The Rockets yeah. had a lot of guys just not pan out this year, which. I mean, uh, all their guys. Yeah, all, it, all their additions did not pan out. Every single one of them are gone. Yeah, uh, the only ones who remain are the rookies and undrafted dudes, and then the the, the buyout pickups. Yeah, like it, it, it's every everyone every addition from the summer is gone. Marquise Chris, Brandon Knight, Michael Carter Williams, Carmelo Anthony, and now James Ennis. All of them are gone. And the fact <laughs> that none of them could outdo any of the other of them is just wild the fact that like the last men standing from the offseason group or the guys who were signed as like as rookies basically you have you have your house and your clark and those guys remain on the roster all those other dudes are gone like yeah like yeah it's it's rough it is rough rough. i mean thank thank the maker that uh you know austin rivers and kenneth freed are doing something right they're they're not exactly, you know, burning the world down, but they're they're doing something. They're playable players. They're, they're guys out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I want to backpedal real quick to something you mentioned. Like, the long-term implications in this move, right, of, of trying to get under the luxury tax. So it's it's pretty clear that the Rockets were trying to avoid the the repeater tax, which is what happens when you pay the luxury tax for three out of four seasons. A little CBA lesson there. Um, now, I am of the opinion that if you're an owner in the NBA of an NBA team, you should pay the luxury tax if you have a legitimate chance at a championship. As for the repeater tax, however, I think it's reasonable for your average NBA owner to try and avoid it. Now, let me explain. Um, I believe that it's highly unlikely that your title window goes beyond a three- to four-year period where you're paying the luxury tax. Unless you have a once-in-a-generational like dynastic situation like the, the Golden State Warriors, then as an owner you have an obligation to pay the repeater tax. But the Rockets don't have that. So I think it's reasonable for Tillman to try and avoid that. Yeah, it's 
and this is the thing because their players are yeah. old. And this is the thing that people need to think about as well. Just, yeah, it's someone else's money, but the amount of money that we're talking about is not just what it looks like. It isn't like we're saying, oh, they they you know they don't want to they don't want to pay an extra one million dollars this year. Well, paying an extra one million dollars this year very well might cost them dozens of millions of dollars in the near future, and that's what we're saying. Like. That's why it's the math is hard on people want to admit that it is. Like, getting Daniel House on the roster and picking up, you know, someone off of waivers right this second, the cost for that might be, like, $36 million in a couple of years. And that's right. pretty wild to think about, right? They're like, is, is, is another month of House worth 30, up to $36 million? Right. It's an important question the Rockets have to ask. And it's a, it's been a part of their internal calculus all year. It's pretty it's, it's pretty clear that that's been something they've discussed, you know, within the organization. Um, now, let me be clear: I am not here to defend billionaires. Like I, I'm not. <laughs> like like I, I I I'm not going to become that guy, nor am I going to become like a shrill for the Rockets. Like like the I understand if you're a fan that's upset about Tillman avoiding luxury tax. I get it, but I will say that. This team, this year's Rockets, don't profile as a team that is worth getting into the luxury tax for. Especially if you're just under it, and we're only really talking about a few players, like like one or one player that is of some significance, I guess. Like we're talking like maybe Daniel House being the difference between them being in the lu- in the luxury tax or the, with you know out the luxury tax. Like if that's the player, then I, I get why the Rockets avoided it. Like, yeah, I get it. Like like Daniel House. Like by the way, like. The lure of Daniel House is it's getting a little bit out of control. Like <laughs> like I get he was a starter for Houston, but we should be clear, like he was a starter out of necessity. Like the Rockets were down and out options at that point. And he played really well, give him his credit, but he is not an NBA starter. He is a really good role player in the NBA and he's earned minutes for Houston. But I think we're getting a little out of control with how good Daniel House is as a basketball player. That's just me. Yeah, I, uh... I I I liked I liked him. Like, let's just relax. Like, he's not he's not an NBA starter. I would actually be happier to see him take a multi-year deal on the last day of the season than to get converted immediately. Because uh, I think Daniel House's future is more important than his present. He is a, he's a prospect. You know, he's a, he's a young dude who's, just, who's new to the NBA, and he, he promises to be a valuable rotation player for the foreseeable future. So... Uh, I think getting him on the contract long term is more important than getting him back into the roster today, especially given that they actually have somewhat of a, a lineup and somewhat of like actual rotation at at the moment. Uh, I would not be surprised if the architect of this is not Tillman Fertitta, but rather Daryl Morey. Yeah, like a lot of these moves scream something that Daryl would do. Like and, and and something like if you've watched the organization over the years, you you had that feeling just watching the way they operated, just in in the summer, like they took a lot of gambles, a lot of high risk gambles. Something that Daryl is very familiar with, uh, like Carmelo Anthony, MCW guys who profile out well, but you know once you put them on the actual basketball court, they're not as good as they theoretically seem like these are these are kind of the stuff this is the kind of stuff that daryl does right like a lot of the stuff that the rockets have been doing this summer like no have been doing this season rather is just a lot of stuff we have that's not new from daryl yeah uh i think that's true and i i would not be surprised if what happened was that that maury saw that this season is not going great and more importantly that he couldn't get the big upgrades he was looking for and he said you know what we're just going to get the owner. That, we're going to see if we can get an attack this year. It's worth giving it a shot. If we manage to do it, then it makes his job a lot easier in the future because he doesn't have to worry about Tillman balking at the you know yeah, the repeater tax in future. That he has mandate more isn't hanging over his head. Yeah, that mandate's not hanging over his head. Yeah, he has more freedom in future years if he if he does this. So it's not pleasant to hear, but like I, I don't think this team was going to win a championship either way unless they got another star player. So and and more and like I said before, they're not they're not meaningfully farther away from it than if they'd done something else at the trade deadline. So the cost is pretty low. It's kind of depressing to think about that 
this is where we're at. This season is like setting up for future seasons, but hey, welcome to the Warriors NBA. And you love bringing that up. Um, <laughs> so that that being said, like if you're a Rockets fan, like I'm saying this if, if you're a Rockets fan, as 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 an organization, you better be willing to spend significantly into the luxury tax going forward if you're going to dodge the tax this season. You oh, get yeah. one pass to dodge the luxury tax. That's it. You just used it. Now, now you better be willing to spend into the tax. Like, the, you used your bullet. It's over. And if there was a season to, to dodge the tax, this was it. Chris Paul's contract comes off the books in three years. So it makes, like, the timing of this makes a lot of logical sense because they can easily get under the tax after Chris Paul's contracts gets on the books and rebuild around Harden again. So, like, like the, the whole architectural timeline of this of dodging the taxes season makes a lot of sense to me it, and i get it but these next few years you better yeah. you better be willing to spend deep into the luxury tax as a team yeah this summer they have to go way all in right like they they definitely have to take on bad money to get talent whatever it takes like that yeah. they need to 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 go for broke as far as like the cap situation goes if the contracts did not extend for more than a couple of years, or like as long as they don't go for more than a couple of years, take on whatever y'all gotta. Just go nuts out there because Chris Paul's not getting any younger, and I don't think he has declined as much as a lot of people think he has, but he is declining, and they need to make up for that one way or another. Uh, and you have to hope that a championship window opens. At some point, you know, the, their, their, their last window kind of closed, but another window might open because the... the the requirements for winning a championship are not always the same. Uh, in most years, they would have won last season. That's how good they were. But the Warriors are around. But the Warriors might stop being around. There is some point where they're going to stop blocking everyone from getting a ring because they're either going to age out or you know break apart or something. So they need to be ready for that. They're close enough that they have to be ready for that. This season went weird, but hey... We all know that how good the Rockets are today bears has almost no bearing on how good they're going to be next season, right? So uh, just go for it, man. They have to go for it now. Yeah, yeah, and we should probably talk about this season. Like, like it can get a little depressing to talk about the Rockets going forward. Like, we're just forfeiting the season for Houston. But, you know, they, they can still make some noise this season. And Clint Capella comes back Thursday against the Lakers. Um, so... The real question I have here is how much better are they going to get as a rebounding team when Clint Capella comes back? Because that's been the biggest that that's been their Achilles heel all year, right? Defensive rebounding percentage. They're 29th defensive rebounding percentage. That's really 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 bad. Like that's horrendous. It's it's amazing they're 8 8 or 9 games above 500 considering how bad they are on the defensive glass. Like I'm interested to see how much Clint Capella moves the needle for them on the glass. Yeah, it'll definitely help. Um, but even bef- when he was playing before, they weren't amazing. That's, right. And that's the biggest problem, as you said, that they they just can't rebound. I mean, they can they actually can, however good defense they can play, if they can't get the defensive rebounds, it doesn't really matter, right? Like because they're just giving more shots at it. So, uh, what they really need is a is a four who can rebound and shoot and play some defense, but you know, those aren't exactly growing on trees now, are they? So we'll have to see what they're going to do. Um, they're built to go against teams that go small, but teams are getting very good at going small and having some rebounding as well. Uh, the league has changed between seasons. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't – I think they'll improve, and they'll probably go up several places. Like with Clint Capella back in the roster, they'll probably move up into, like – Somewhere in the teens has got to be the hope, right? Because if they can get to, if they can approach being an average defensive rebounding team, I think this team looks a lot better. Yeah, and that is really optimistic. Getting into the teens is like it just get into the the low twenties. <laughs> like, like if you can get to like twenty fourth in defensive rebounding percentage, like that's a reasonable goal. Like because they've been again, like we just said, they've been so bad and it's cost them games because they can't hold leads because they can't they can't secure defensive rebounds like it's it's been a chain thing like where they would they'd get up big like 26 25 points or whatever and then they'd lose the lead by the fourth quarter because they just cannot stay keep people off the glass 
And I think, like, I'm not sure. I don't think the Rockets would ever say this publicly, but I think they really thought internally that they had that they had Marquise Morris done. Like, I think they really thought that they had a really great chance on Marquise. Like, a really great chance. There are a lot of reports like, about it that he was on the verge of signing with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was... I mean, I, I, I don't want to say too... They, they thought they had him. It's, I think they really thought they had him. And it's just surprising that that he chose Oklahoma City last minute um, for what, assume, what appears to be playing time. Like, they, they have yeah, more playing time available for him in Oklahoma City than they would in Houston. Yeah, uh, it doesn't appear that it's a money situation. I guess, I mean, I guess that means what? Like, Patrick Patterson's under the bus now? He's just going to be... Oh, he, he's been over the hill. Like, that guy has been really, really bad. Like, this, the, like just the past couple of seasons, it's been so, super depressing to watch Patrick Patterson, like, go from, like, a Swiss Army knife in, in Toronto to what he is in Oklahoma City. Like, Masai always gets rid of these guys before they're over the hill, which is just a phenomenal skill for a general manager. <laughs> like, just getting rid of guys right before they go over the hill. Like, it's one of those under-the-radar things where, like, if you... If, if you want to watch for what a good general manager is, that's what a good general manager is: getting out from under somebody just be, just right before he becomes a negative asset. Like it's 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 one of those sneaky things I like to watch for. But yeah, I the Rockets really need. You're right; they 100% need a backup power forward. Like B.J. Tucker is playing 35 minutes per game for the Rockets this season. He played 27 last season. That's a ridiculous surge in minutes. Yeah, like that's, they, they need someone who can absorb some minutes and not doom them. Yeah, and and that they had guys like that last season. Like Ryan Anderson was somebody who could absorb from some backup power forward minutes. Uh, Trevor Ariza, Luke Bamute played some backup four. Like they had a bunch of guys who could soak up minutes for them last year at the backup power forward position. And you can noticeably see PJ Tucker getting tired during these games. Like I like I had a Twitter thread about this like a couple of days ago. Like. His three-point percentage drops, like, th- throughout the game. Like, first quarter, second <laughs> quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. In fourth quarters this season, he's shooting 18% from three. That's that's ridiculous. 18% from three in fourth quarters this season. And, you know, it matches up with the eye test. Like, a lot of these blown leads are when he can't make a three-pointer. And it's because he's so exhausted. Like, he's, his legs are shot by the, end of, by the time the fourth quarter comes around. And they have nobody to take those minutes other than, like, they had Daniel House for a minute. And now, they, 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 now they're experimenting with, like, smaller and smaller lineups, like playing four guards out there. But even then, and, like, it's, it's really brutal watching him absorb all these minutes. And they had to play him at center for a lot this season because of Clint Capella's injury. And it's, like, they, he needs some help badly. Like, a lot of the storylines have been about around Harden. And he's playing two more minutes per game this year, and his usage is up and all that. And I, I get it. I get why the storyline is hardened, but the under the radar storyline is PJ Tucker. That guy is uh, being asked to do entirely too much. Yeah, they really need uh, a guy who can play minutes at the four and who can move sideways and grab a rebound. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 bad. It's bad. So I I, I want to see. You, how much of his minutes will go down when Clint Capella comes back? Uh, perhaps that will ease the load on him a little bit. And, you know, moving Kenneth Fareed to the bench should help the Rockets some. Like, it should help their defensive rebounding problems some. Like, they had nobody at the backup center position to start the season. Like, Dene was... Like, he had, like, a couple of good games when he came back. Like, oh, okay, Nene's, Nene's back. He's good again. And then after those first couple of games, like, he just could not grab a rebound. Like, Nene just can't grab rebounds anymore, which yeah. is super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Mike D'Antoni does not trust Isaiah Hardenstein, like, at all. He's like, at all. Like, he just... Fair like, enough. Isaiah, Isaiah Hardenstein is, like, a plus-minus legend. Like, if you look at... <laughs> if you look at he's his a plus Viper's minus, legend, especially. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if you look at his plus-minus for the Rockets, I think he still might be leading the Rockets in net rating. I'm not sure. I haven't checked in a couple weeks. But that guy, like... In, if 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 I if I'm an advanced scout man, Isaiah, I have hard eyes for Isaiah Hardenstein, man. Like that guy, like just, always manages to hustle like like crazy. Just just chases after boards, even when it seems like they're gone. Like he, like it's he tries so hard. He's always in 110. Yeah, percent 
Yeah, he does. He does. And he's a super nice guy. Super nice guy. And it sucks that uh, he's kind of in the doghouse right now. But I, I, I guess what I assume is going to happen with the Rockets going forward is I think there's a real possibility he takes the backup center spot next season when perhaps he has another year under his belt in RGV and perhaps he gains some more trust. And I think there's a possibility that they move on from Nene this summer because he is... He's um, showing it. He's yeah. showing his age quite a bit, yeah. He, he looks like a 38-year-old center with groin problems. Like, that's... Like, it, that groin... People aren't talking enough about how his groin has... Is like, like, he talked about it in the press conferences with us. Like, he's... That, that groin still bothers him. And, like, as you get older, those groins, those knees, those calves, like, they just take a little, little longer to recover. And you just need those rest days. And Nene already was already given rest days. And he it looks like he wants more. And the Rockets just can't afford to lose bodies right now. And it, it's a super depressing situation there at, at backup center. So Clint Capella should help that. Um, but going forward, I want to see if Isaiah Hartenstein takes that spot. Well, and going forward in the very short term, who who is on the roster by Thursday? It's going to be someone. It has to be someone. Corey Brewer? Why, why would you do this? <laughs> I should have to throw a name out there. I mean, he, he, he's been a 10-day contract god this season. Like, he's been getting... Ten- Ten day contracts left and right. Like I think he might have got a ten day ten day contract while we were recording this podcast, man. Like he's get, he's just getting shots everywhere throughout the league. I think he was in Philadelphia this season, right? Like I think that he signed the ten day contract the day they played the Rockets. If if I'm if I'm not remembering correctly, <laughs> I, I think that's what happened. Hey, he, he scored fifty one points in a game once. How can how can you speak ill of him? Yeah, and apparently he got drug tested right after the game. Like, like the, 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 that was a story that I, I think Zach Harper told on a podcast one day. Like, he apparently got drug tested right after the game. Like, one of those random drug tests by the league. <laughs> Which is Fair just, just, just hilarious. Like, the timing of that drug test is just so funny. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like, they're probably going to take a gamble on some, some G League call-up, if I were to bet. Yeah, I so I actually would... I would like if they had something happen that made them go over the luxury tax, honestly, because it's so it's so useful to be under luxury tax that it would be nice if that door just got closed uh, and then we didn't have to think about it anymore, right? Like if the, if it was a foregone conclusion, then they wouldn't there wouldn't be all these games about like oh who are they going to sign a ten day contracts? How can they like manage to do this 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 thing? Like it's just a bunch of weird stuff to have to be stressed out about, and it'd be it'd be nice for team, you know, continuity and spirit and stuff that they're just like, look, here's our guys going forward. That's what it is. Like like if if they if they had to sort it out, then they assuredly would just do whatever they're gonna do with house, right? That this this whole thing would stop hanging over everybody's head if like if the possibility of the luxury tax were foreclosed upon. Whereas instead, it feels like there's a real chance they might be dealing with this will-they-won't-they they with House for most of the rest of the season. They're obviously waiting for someone to get bought out, and then they, they'll sign him to a rest-of-season contract, to a, to a veteran's minimum rest-of-season contract. It's going to be interesting to see who shakes loose. I still have a suspicion that... I know the Cavs have come out and said that we're not going to buy him out, but I still have a suspicion that J.R. Smith might come to the table with the Cavs and demand to get bought out because he's just on vacation right now like you know people are talking about Anthony Davis just not playing for the Pelicans this year like J.R. Smith's just not played for the Cavs this year yeah that doesn't seem what he wants that doesn't seem like he wants to be doing that either yeah like he's just like he's just like gone like it's one of the most bizarre storylines of this season that we're just not talking about enough like he's just not with an NBA team right now and he's getting paid by an NBA team right now which is just the funniest thing um, I would keep an eye on him. I'd keep an eye on uh, Trevor Ariza in Washington again. That, that would a be, lot. That'd be so funny. That'd be so funny if Trevor Ariza got bought out and signed in Houston. I don't think it's going to happen, but oh my god, it would be ridiculous. The Wizards would have so much egg on their face for giving for giving up draft picks for Trevor Ariza and promising that they would resign him this summer. Like it's it, the, the Wizards have been such a. I, I I don't want to cuss anymore on this podcast. They but a train they've wreck. Been, yes, they've been a trade wreck. 
all season. And it's just funny watching him do all these financial moves at the deadline, like trading Otto Porter and buying out Marquise Morris. Like it's just it's just super funny to watch the Wizards uh, go from contender to whatever the hell they are now. They weren't yeah, well, they weren't ever well, contender no, this season, well, but playoff yes. team, whatever they yeah. are. Yeah, they yeah. were they were a playoff team in the past. Now everything has just like totally fallen apart. I, it it sounds like the Wizards and Trevor Ariza are still happy together. I guess so. It doesn't really sound like there's a chance he's going to get bought out from what I've heard. But who knows? Who knows? It's just it's just weird that that they're committing to a 33 year old Trevor Ariza. They like, should buy him out. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I guess like, see like some of these some of these bad NBA teams like they they don't understand the co- the concept of a sunk cost and like they double down their mistakes. So I, I I I'd assume that's what the Wizards are doing right now. Like we already traded for him, we already gave him draft picks, and if we if we don't resign him with his bird rights, we're gonna have so much egg on our face. So I assume that's what's going on with the Wizards. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see who gets bought out because I guarantee you the Rockets feel like... Like, I tweeted about this when Marquise signed with the Thunder. Like, Daryl was not a guy with just... He, he does not put all his eggs in one basket. Like, if you look at the history of Daryl Moore, he's never done that. Like, when when Chris Bosh signed, signed back with the Heat, like, he quickly moved on to Trevor Ariza and uh, just let Chandler Parsons walk. And he had a good plan to replace a lot of the complementary pieces um, with minimum contracts. Like, he, he's just very swift at moving on. So I would just keep an eye on guys who got who get bought out that we weren't expecting to get bought out. Yeah, and it seems like teams are more proactive with buying out people now, too, and for good reason, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a smart thing to do. If there's someone who's not a part of your future and you're not going to, you know, it's too late in the season to trade them, especially if their contract ends this year, getting them to take a little like you can get them to take a little bit of a haircut right because they're going to get make that money up and with that minimum money or whatever pretty much always you save a little money you save a little bit of money and you lose a player who is not playing anyway or who doesn't want to be playing anyway and it really works out better for everybody and it seems like it's becoming more acceptable in the league to do this and a lot of guys are being bought out this year it's kind of wild it's been really robust this year the bio market has been um and I'd also keep an eye out on Avery Bradley, just 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 because he's been really bad, um, and the Rockets might try taking a chance on him for for a rest of season contract. Who knows? Like even though he's been bad for the Clippers, uh, I, I want to see if he gets bought out. Uh, the, the, there there are some guys that you know perhaps we didn't see coming uh, will get bought out within the next two weeks before yeah. that March first set. Someone, someone asked us about Wilson Chandler. Uh, if he were to get bought out, I think he'd be a great candidate to be picked up. Uh, Shout-outs to Gary Nelson. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other questions? Uh, Bacon or ham? I can't eat either. Get so, past. I don't, I don't eat pork. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many more games in this streak for Harden? I mean, it might be re- the rest of the season. Like it, it, it honestly might be the rest of the season. Yeah, I kind of think it very well maybe. It's not hard for him to hit 30 is the thing. Like, it's like, not just that he's playing a lot. It's that he he has figured out ways to score very easily. The step-back three is murderous, and it really is augmenting his point input. Yeah, and, like, it's one of those things where it might be a bad thing that I don't see this streak ending because I don't see them blowing out any other teams. Like, he has to play till the end of games, and that's why he always gets 30. Yeah, uh, that's a big part of it. But I do think that his he's more efficient than he used to be. Uh, I think his threes are more garbled than he used to be. So he's just able to score the amount of points he wants to score. I think if he wants to score 30 points in any given game, he will do so. Uh, Gary Nelson also asks, is Eric Gordon a rocket next season? Yeah, I would say yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't see any reason to move on from Eric Gordon right now. Uh, unless they have some massive trade lined up that we just don't see coming. Like, there's always that possibility <laughs> with Daryl. Hey, uh, Eric Gordon for uh, for Anthony Davis, right? That's fair, Who's, right? Who says no? Who <laughs> says no? Um, from JJ, at Hopkins Hive 10, who do you see the Rockets adding by adding to their roster by Thursday? House or someone slash something else? Uh, two 10-day contracts is who I see them adding. Um, I don't see them adding House. 
until much later on into the season. I do think they will, they will end up converting House uh, just because it makes no sense not to. Because at some point there'll be so there'll be the math will add up to them being still under the luxury zags and still being able to afford House the rest of the season. And you know, there, it make, just makes no sense to have him play the rest of the season on the roster and not have him on the playoff roster. So they're, they're going to yeah. convert him for rest of the season if if they can't if they can't get him to sign this reported four and a half million dollar contract three year four and a half million dollar contract that uh jonathan fagan reported uh if they can't get him to sign that i just assume they're going to convert him yeah and i would say that uh the the instant the house's situation has no bearing on like won't change their status regarding the luxury tax that's when you'll see them definitely do something I mean, they might ahead of time anyway, but yeah, if, if if they go over the tax before that, or like it's to the point where signing him won't put them over the tax anymore, that's when they're going to do it for sure. Because that's the only real thing that matters with him right now. It just makes too much tax. sense. Yeah, it just makes too much sense. Um, yeah, and as far as who they might add, I mean, JJ, they might add you. Like they might add you, <laughs> like. Uh, because they're going to add some 10-day contract uh, that I we want, don't see coming. I mean, I want to let the the NBA know that I am available. Uh, I don't have any NBA quality skills, but I am willing to attend practice on a 10-day contract. Sign the Red Nation Hoops podcast for two 10-day <laughs> contracts. Yeah. Give, give us two 10-day contracts. Well, I'm not going to run suicides for y'all, but like uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw some shots up. I'll try yeah. to run suicides. I can promise I'll try. Yeah, I'm not promising that. <laughs> in fact, I want that in my contract. Now, I'm going to hire an agent just to get just to get that into my 10 day contract. You should hire Rich Paul. Oh hell no! <laughs> God no. Um, yeah, I think we farted enough long long enough. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Solomonly NBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Not How do you spell that Forrest? Uh, D U N O T S. You don't need to put quotes. Yeah, uh, don't be Daryl. And yeah, guys, good night. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.